Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. eGovernance Academy has assisted digital transformation globally in more than 130 countries. Our experts will share their insights and worldwide examples on how digital technology could benefit every society. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome to the Digital Government Podcast. I'm your host, Federico Plantera journalist, sociologist, and researcher. And today with me, we have again Heiko Weinsalu, who is Senior Expert on Technology at eGovernance Academy. Welcome back, Heiko. Hello. Uh, nice to be back here in the show. It was a very thought-through hello, this one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> but it's good. Because today's topic, in today's topic, we are like rediscussing uh, and uh, uh, debating, uh, debating things which are uh, annoying, I think, most like many people in the industry, in the governance industry, which is technology buzzwords. And so, technology buzzwords. I, I think I would disagree. I would say that many people, without acknowledging that these are buzzwords, they actually like them and they thrive on them. Uh, rather than looking into kind of more serious and, and actual problems, but it's just, oh, it's the new cool thing. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So in this sense, I think we might be the only two persons uh, in, in this kind of uh, neighborhood who are skeptics, because I definitely, I'm a skeptic of technology and usually try to convince people kind of see through the buzzwords. I would say that rather maybe my point was on, uh, I don't know, was an attempt to bring more people on our side of the argument uh, almost uh, almost automatically. But yes, we will see now, we will see at the end of this podcast episode if, uh, if that will have been the case or not. Because um, just to introduce a little bit like why we're talking about this topic, technology buzzwords, and also to... Uh, how to say, maybe to not make it sound like a 20 minutes rant, for example, on <laughs> what these technology buzzwords are. Uh, do you, Heiko, do you hear a lot of them, uh, especially, for example, in the projects that you are taking care of uh, in, with the Governance Academy uh, and beyond, like also, I don't know, in conferences, seminars, like is there a lot of buzzwording going on? Yeah, I would say I see that too much, and uh, maybe if I go it a little bit to extremes and and um, kind of emphasize or overemphasize what I see and and what kind of project requests I receive, then it's very often that uh, some government representative sends us a kind of a request that uh, well we would like to do our e-governance or we would like to do the digital transformation, and if you ask them why or what is the reasoning. Why do, why at all you you want to bother and deal with that? Because it's it's a huge project. It's it changes the society. Then they don't actually give the reasoning, but they just come to say that hey, but there are these cool new technologies, and we want to be very modern, and we want to be kind of on the bleeding edge. And these kind of strategies that have some countries have built up and defined for themselves, these are in this sense, very often just a kind of bunch of all of these uh, technology buzzwords thrown in to say that we want all of that and please come and do it. And for, for me, it's always a question of why. why? Do you actually understand what you are asking, what you are kind of seeing? Where do you see your, this vision? But So at this point, what are the questions that 
in a sense also like what are the research questions let's say if we may put it that way that governments need to uh or put or the clients let's say need to ask themselves before getting straight down to the buzzword that they have read maybe in a consulting report i think here it's the kind of um you even have to ask before that like what is the research questions they come to us but but rather where do they get these ideas they see uh some kind of news or some tweet or somebody uh, announces that uh, using a buzzword, uh, there was something cool achieved. And they think that, well, we would like to have something like this in our home country. And then it comes to the discussion that if we want something like this, this would need to be modern, this would need to be this new thing. And then they come to the with the question that, hey, guys, can you please help us to find our uh, way or road into how can we introduce this new cool thing in our ecosystem? which is really kind of a uh, wrong way of doing it because they, the, they come to the conclusion or this kind of expectation that if we take on board the bleeding as buzzword of whatever the technology has to offer, then everything would be better. But uh, the problem is that if your goal is to be modern, then the very next day after being implemented this modern solution, somebody comes up with a newer thing, and then you will have you will not be on the bleeding edge. You will be somewhere far behind, and therefore you are not where you wanted to be. Heiko, in this sense, before we get to understanding, like what are let's say the buzzwords that we that we've heard uh, a lot of like lately, um, I wanted to one question that that I was just thinking of is that is there in a way. Uh, in the let's say in the context of chasing buzzwords in a way and chasing them then practically like with including them in projects or like asking mm -hmm. uh uh tech people to include them like in projects or to build systems like around them is there maybe some sort of like a dynamic of chasing credentials in a way in the sense that since these buzzwords have appeared either on the media or on the strategy papers of some other governments and are marketed or pushed or advertised as the latest thing to have, then uh, it, the, the system of the dynamics of credentials that I was talking about is that do some governments maybe want to have them because that would accredit them to the eyes or like in the eyes of others? as those who are at the cutting edge of something and thus increase their reputation. Yeah, I think in, in fact, you're in a very kind of right place because people very often, they want fame. They want to be kind of known. They want to be uh, known for having achieved something. And it is easier to communicate achievements through these kind of uh, newsworthy things. If you achieve something that says that um, we just fixed a 20 years old problem and now it's uh, just only 10 years old problem. So we upgraded it 10 years, but still are behind 10 years. Well, it's not the news. It's like you couldn't do any better. It actually would, would, could be a very good thing. So instead of that, people figure out that, okay, let's do something that uh, at least shows us temporarily that we are five years ahead. And then over the two days, they actually don't know how or what to use it or, or how to deal with it.
So definitely. It's also, not, but figuratively speaking, it's also a little bit a matter of membership, let's say, you know, in the sense like of uh, wanting to show that you're subscribing to the club of countries that are at the forefront of this thing because this type of technology or this type of buzzword has been pushed, let's say, in the media or mm-hmm. in consulting reports. A little bit is also that type of dynamic, no? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And And the strange thing is that now the countries that are far behind they are trying to think that maybe there is a way to kind of uh, leap over some things to say that, okay, we are currently everything. We, we haven't even invented paper yet, but we would like to go into mobile and Internet of Things and G5. So, that, hey, come on, guys, in order to do things digitally, you have to kind of digitalize your data first, so you cannot skip that. But this is very often kind of ignored and said that, ah, no, no, people already have cell phones. It's all fine. So... In this sense, it's, it is indeed this kind of um, um, fame uh, that people very often are looking or, or trying to be in this kind of uh, member, as, as you said, in this kind of a club of, uh, uh, of, of a very high-mentioned uh, countries. And uh, actually, with the with the last thing you said, and the, the, the countries that try to, for example, take the leap uh, and in and skip some steps essentially mm-hmm. also on the way to to get to to the forefront indeed as other countries instead uh, the a place where other countries already are and then for example we can already introduce one of the first i mean this in my opinion is uh, a buzzword that i've heard quite a lot like in the past uh, four or five years and i think that we also have used a couple of times maybe which is like not you and me uh but uh we in the podcast which is leapfrogging you no know? there was this whole thing of like leapfrogging towards the the future of e-governance etc uh while instead then we have come to the conclusion that uh, maybe that's not something that works for everyone or that in any case as as other countries including estonia mm-hmm. have gone through different steps and through basically two decades of uh, uh, e-governance development to get more than two decades, actually, mm-hmm. if we if we take the very, very, very beginnings into consideration to get to uh, today's situation, then leapfrogging, in my opinion, would definitely be one of them. I don't know if you agree with this, but then add more. So what are you what are the buzzwords that you've heard uh, the most lately? Yeah, I think the leapfrogging could be something that uh, would attach to some other domains, let's say social engineering or governance, and there it could be viable and usable and and actually meaningful thing. In technology, leapfrogging is something that occasionally is possible, but not always. Uh, I think Estonia leapfrogged very well the uh, um, from uh, the kind of, what is it, checks, uh, Estonia totally skipped the kind of checks phase of uh, of how the money is being uh, transferred, but went directly from cash to bank uh, ATMs and bank cards. Uh, so, but I would think uh, now looking into more of kind of technical buzzwords, then the kind of let's say the the oldest uh, or oldest one I remember and where I had kind of immediate connection to say that hey, come on, guys, this is not seriously what you are talking about was when everybody started to talk about cloud. Because what is cloud? Cloud is, uh, you don't have your own server room anymore, but rather it's somebody else's server room, and uh, they are just renting it out to you. So uh, that kind of um, buzzword is the level of where I think I always, when somebody brings something in, some kind of new 
term in technology says that it's a, it's a cool thing, it's a new innovation in, in technology. I usually try to look beyond what, uh, what is it that actually is behind this password, what is the kind of old thing that it has been spinned up on from. So server rooms were transferred into clouds just by replacing a word because uh, cloud just sounds so much nicer. Luckily now this uh, uh, blockchain hype has uh, is starting to pass because it seems that it cannot be used for everyone and uh, a blockchain is a cool word, uh, sounds really amazing and it kind of uh, shows you kind of impressive way but uh, it's a cryptographical chaining and you do it in a distributed way and there are old algorithms uh, from like 20-30 years ago which define how these things work so is it an innovation? I don't know People just try to use it in some places and somebody attached a very cool word on it. And uh, then it's the kind of um, the, the latest of things that I have stumbled upon is um, kind of um, anything can be coded uh, approach. I, I haven't had heard yeah, very much this kind of a very specific one term, but it's uh, one of the terms would be like infrastructure as a code. Uh, and then everything as a code is something that uh, people are very much talking about, which is something that, yeah, we know that uh, development, software development was that somebody coded uh, software and hardware to do something, but actually all the activities that people do when clicking and uh, doing, running some scripts, everything can be coded. And this is also an old thing. We just have started to think of uh, using coding in other places. But now it seems to be kind of a cool thing. And, and, and uh, I've seen countries where organizations want to very strongly to kind of everything must be codable. Everything must be like stored in a code repository and executed from there. There is no human kind of direct intervention. So that's the kind of I, latest thing. I partly don't get it in the sense, why would everything... Uh become code essentially okay i think this is uh with the, with this wide question we have to step a little bit back and think about different kind of uh changes that have been in the kind of technological sphere in the last 10-15 uh, years that why these kind of changes happen including everything as code and uh, including kind of uh strong movement to kind of agile approaches strong movement uh towards uh uh, continuous deployment and continuous integration. What's driving these things? And I think that uh, that is kind of one thing that can be exposed from two kind of perspectives. One is that um, people are just uh, people who work in technological sphere have acknowledged that uh, this kind of uh, very strict long-term waterfall type project plans and schedules don't work because too many things are unexpected and can disrupt our way of working. So therefore, they are trying to kind of minimize things, uh, make it in smaller steps in order to make uh, this kind of fault tolerance uh, higher so that if somebody makes a mistake, it's easier to fix it, which makes sense. What this actually means, this means that people's planning ability is not as good as we hope to be, and all peoples make mistakes, errare humanum est. So we have to deal with these mistakes. Now that we have acknowledged that engineers, system administrators, software developers are people who make mistakes, then we have to sell 
this capability of people making mistakes to our clients. And therefore, we say that we provide you kind of agile way of working, which is that if we screw up, we can fix it faster. So in this way, uh, all these kind of, of, or I would say a lot of this kind of technical passwords and, and technical innovation that is being sold and proposed and offered to countries very often is, um, is just uh, refurbishing our kind of accepted smaller capabilities and saying that we do this in a different way. Uh, we know that we can do less, but we sell at you at a higher price because we know we can do less. So oh, that's that is such I... a nice way to say it. That is such a nice way to say it, but so descriptive at the same time, because I, I, now, now I understand what you were referring to. But then another question that is connected to this and that I was already thinking of before when you were mentioning uh, blockchain or also cloud is uh, that even now when you were talking about this specific last topic, uh, it seems that innovation, if it's happening, and if it's marketed as such, at the moment is happening mostly in terms of the use cases rather than actual technology in itself. Would it be correct to uh, say this? Yeah, yeah, I would say it also because for me, when I think about where is the innovation, then most of the things that are sold as technical innovation are actually uh, human innovation because people understand how to use technology in a different way. If you look back into kind of technology from a qualitative perspective, then computers can do qualitatively as much as it was defined in the 1940s, 1950s, when uh, Turing, uh, Wiener, all these guys figured out what the computer is and what it can do. So computers still can do the same type of exercises, nothing more. Uh, but what has changed is two things. Computers and technology has become tensor in physical way that you can fit more of computational power into smaller uh, room. And also people have started to learn new ways of how to reuse and use uh, technology. So this is very much more people actually understanding how technology can be used and a little bit of the technology is more dense and it can do more computation, which allows to actually also introduce more, let's say, resource-hungry algorithms and, and procedures. And this is why I would say that this kind of, I think it's almost the only place where I would say that there is kind of semi-technical innovation uh, that is happening, is that our technological kind of baseline allows us now to think in terms of uh, very high uh, integration of biometrics and augmented reality. So these are the things that are like made possible by this uh, quantitative uh, uh, improvement in technology and people now understanding that we can reuse these and the augmented reality and biometric uh, use of, of stuff. These are the things that actually start to impact our daily lives. Everything else is uh, more kind of human uh, capacity changes and humans understanding how to do things differently. Is it a little bit, for example, as what happened with the internet, which was not even developed, let's say, for civil purposes in the very beginning? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I just, uh, two days ago, uh, giving a lecture, I was giving the same example that the thing that was uh, 20 years ago, uh, 
kind of hyped and and uh, buzzword was created like web 2.0 which was like user uh, created uh, web technological stuff for creating that existed already in the early 1990s maybe even earlier uh, yeah if you go back to Kufar and and who is and, and the other kind of original uh, uh, internet services then then it's a huge and little thing where people created content now we just had the kind of understanding that we can do the same through the websites. Technology existed a long time before, but we understood it in a different way in the beginning of 2000. So the internet is also something that is uh, very similar as it was in the early days. We have just started to understand it in a different way and therefore use it differently. Hey, go, let's get to the final part now of this uh, episode of the podcast. We have a couple of questions and in a way also more the rather the parse constraints, the constructive side, let's say, of this critique that we're doing a little bit of uh, technology buzzwords. Uh, one question that I would ask you on this topic is uh, definitely then how can governments uh, see beyond the buzzwords in the sense uh, how can governments understand or how they should understand uh, the technological solutions that they really need and not just the ones that they wish to have, let's say. Yeah, I think that's that's actually your question is the answer. That uh, every government who writes into their kind of digital transformation plan uh, some kind of uh, solutions, uh, they are already on the wrong way. They have to look at what kind of problems and why they need to solve them. Because if you are able to define your problem, if you are able to define the source of the problem, then allow the engineers to provide a kind of solution that fits the problem. Not that you would have a solution and then you're looking for the problem, but where can I kind of uh, apply it? And this is uh, something that very often happens that people think that, oh, let's do this AI thing and let's do this kind of uh, smart this and smart cities and stuff. But what is the problem you're trying to solve? So try to find the problem, define it in the strategy, define it in your kind of baseline or, or introduction of your digital transformation plan. And then we can work on top of it to find what fits the bill. I, I very often do myself when I'm about to kind of, if, if I get too excited on some kind of a home gadget of technology, uh, it's it's like, I, I want it, I want it so bad. Uh, I try to find the kind of excuses why I want it. But then I usually, uh, I've decided that I sleep over it for a day or two. Uh, then I very often take pen and paper and write down what are the kind of problems that I have, uh, what kind of issues, and then try to find out what kind of qualitative criteria I have to in actually to solve these problems. And if I see that there is some kind of a product that solves these problems, then it's good to buy. If it doesn't solve any of these problems, but rather creates me a new bunch of problems, then it's most likely something that I will not need in the long term. So, and I think, is it personally at home or at the government level? I think there is not very much difference. The approach could be the same. And then to conclude, can you give us one uh, one example of, um, for example, a collaboration with some governments or clients in general that uh, was that was leading to like of course like uh, e-governance development but that let's say was 
um, inspired by a buzzword, but that actually inspired uh, in quotation marks, let's say, but that then led to real actual IT uh, development that a government needed. Silence. Yeah, yeah that's my answer. Yeah, awkward, ah, okay. awkward silence, yeah. Oh God, <laughs> I was not expecting this <laughs> this known answer, but uh, but yes, okay. Then with this uh, with the displacement of my own question, I think we can conclude this episode of the of the podcast. Heiko, thanks a lot. It's been a very nice uh, very nice chat on the topic. Thank you. And then to all our listeners, first of all, uh, general recommendation: go beyond the buzzwords, and. Uh, <clears throat> And the second would be to simply tune in to the next episode of the Digital Government Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.